So I want to start off with a confession here. Um, I saw a meme recently that said uh, there was a there was a girl, and then there was another girl like blowing a tuba, and then it was like right in the girl's face, and on the, and then the girl blowing the tuba it says um, conspiracy theories, and then the girl that the tuba was in her face it said uh, a person that needs to be hearing the gospel. Does that make sense? And so I. And my confession before these, I've gotten spun up in these things lately. And I was just, I just got off the phone with a buddy of mine. I said, I have played into this um, complaining about about quarantine, complaining about about uh, the current situation, the pandemic, the shutdown, when I should just be sharing the gospel. And so, before everybody here today, I repent of my of my sin of, of spinning up those things and and talking like, yeah, man, I heard is this thing even real? You know. The world does not need to hear Christians complaining. The world needs to see Christians in the same predicament as everybody else, but us reacting like Christ, us responding to things in a Christ-like way. So today we're going to start a series. Now it's going to be that's going to be uh, several several weeks, but I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And today we're going to talk about the seven roots of destructive behaviors the seven root causes now it's a spiritual thing okay uh, we might not get into we're not going to get into all the roots today but over the over the next several weeks we're going to be talking about what's the real root causes of all destructive behaviors now the, i have two primary texts if you would turn with me in your bibles to ephesians chapter six you know where ephesians is Go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, G-E-P-C. Okay. Go eat popcorn. And if you got a Bible, tell us where it is. G-E-P-C. My Bible is 979. Okay. I'll move this aside. Okay, Ephesians 6. This is probably my favorite verse in all of scripture. And I have this, I have this actually, when I was in high school, I had a, a letterman's jacket. I was on the wrestling team and it says, it says right on my letterman's jacket, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 12. Not knowing, you know, over, gosh, uh, 20, over 20 years later, that that would be my life verse. And I see everything in life through the lens of, and this is spiritual warfare. So here's, here's the passage. Okay, Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You know what this means? It means people are never my enemy. It means if you're married, that your spouse is never your enemy. It means if you're at school, it means the bullies are really never your enemy. It means if you're at work, that people who are giving you a hard time, they are really not your enemy, but rather they are victims of the enemy. So in spiritual warfare mindset, my enemies are not people I can see. They're not things I, physical things I can see. They're invisible. Now in this passage, we wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces in the heavenly places. 
our true enemy is invisible. Yeah. Our, our true enemy is invisible. It's the thoughts that go through our minds. They're actually evil forces. Now, when Paul uses these words, authorities against cosmic powers, he's referring to demonic spirits. Even, even even in parenting, right? My kids are never learning. They're so cute, right? Okay, so that's so that's one passage. I'm gonna take you to another one. I'll go to Second Corinthians ten four. Second Corinthians ten four. And these are really just springboards for our discussion in our series because we're gonna kick off this series and go through all the roots. So second Corinthians ten four. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now in the context here, it's the same guy that wrote it. It's the Apostle Paul writing to believers. So when he gives believers this advice or this exhortation, it's an in-house discussion. It's family talk. It's like, hey guys, what do we do when we wrestle with these things? So specifically the context here, I thought for years that this meant taking my own thoughts captive. But if you look at the context, Paul's talking about adversaries. So he's really talking about taking other people's thoughts captive. Now there's several applications of this. But when I'm, when I'm listening to someone talk, and we're having, like my brother and I, uh, my brother in Christ and I, we were talking today on the phone and when he would say something, and because we're close, I could say, hey, brother, well, well, tell me about that. And so if I hear him say something that's not in line with the truth, then I can actually take his thoughts captive, take that thought captive, and um, speak some truth into the situation. Uh, so, my, so my friend Pierce here, if he hears me saying something off, like, you know what, I just, I need, I need my wife to do this, this, and this. Pierce can step in and say, hey, brother, well, tell, tell me about that. Do you really need something from your wife? Or is Jesus all you need? Is Philippians 4 true, where God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory? And then in that moment, I can say, you know, Pierce, you're right, man. You're right. I don't need anything from my wife. I'm freed up to just love her unconditionally. I'm, I don't need anything from my neighbor. I don't need anything from my supervisor. I'm freed up. Thanks, bro. So, so taking other thoughts, cap, taking other people's thoughts captive, this is something that can, one application is we do this in community. So when I combine these two passages, it sets my mind for spiritual warfare. Now, there's, there's some war fighters here in the room, okay? You guys know about war, you guys know about weapons. We know about that kinetic fight and taking the fight to the enemy. There's bad people in the world that they need to be taken out. What about, what about this enemy? What about the spiritual enemy? How do we defeat the enemy? Well, first of all, let me, let me, let me explain this question. Who is our enemy? We talk about our enemies. Now, let me, let me take you back to 1941, okay? At the, at the end of well, 1942, uh, 1941, we, got, we, we were at war with the Axis nations. It was Imperial Japan, Nazi Germany, and we had fascist Italy, right? Those, those were our three. At the time, in 1941, these were the people that were going to hurt the, US, the USA. So they were our enemies. So now imagine this. Imagine you're in the military and you are a radio operator. 
and your one job is to listen to the radio, and if you hear Japanese or German or Italian, then your commanding officer says, you have to call it in. You don't have to do anything else, but just call it in. And then when you call it in, then, you're, the, then the higher ups know exactly what to do. They have intel, they have bombs, they have planes they have to, to mobilize everything you do, but your job is to be the first one to listen to it and call it in. So you're just sitting behind the radio and you hear um, some, some Japanese, you know for sure it's Japanese. Some guy saying like, oh, oh, you like, oh that's, that's Japanese. So what's your job? What, you, what are you supposed to do? Are you giving what? Say again. Call it in. Call it in, yes. Thank you, Giselle. So you hear it, oh, that's Japanese. I call it in. Sir, we have contact. I hear the voice of the enemy. And you give it to them. And then they just, they just handle it. And then you're waiting a few more minutes, and then you hear, uh, oh, I see, which is uh, German for, for devil dogs. You hear German, and they, they, they made contact with Marines. So what do you do? What are you supposed to do? You heard German. What are you supposed to do? Call it in. Yes. Two times in a row. You got it. So when I call it in, I call it into the higher ups, and they, have, they do something with it. And then they mobilize, they use their intel, they use their, their artillery, they use jets and bombs and planes and ships, and they take care of the enemy. I don't have to worry about it. I just call it in. Now I'm going a little longer, and I don't know, I can't discern whether it's Italian or, or what, but I do know it's not English. But I hear the voice, so what am I supposed to do? Call it in. Yes, even Kyler, four years old, knows. Call it in. Okay? Now, now at this point, you have three different countries, three different, three, three different uniforms, but who's our enemy? All of them. So when I use the word the enemy, when I'm talking about, man, I'm under attack from the enemy, I lump them all into one. Now, now in the scriptures, our enemies are rulers, authorities, powers, principalities, evil spirits, in the heavenly realms, okay? The, demon, the demons, they're real. But guess what? Angels are real too. Yeah, yeah, the Satan is real. The devil is real, but God is real. The real earth, can I say that? Is that a, is that a word? The squashing. It's sort of like this. If you're in school, and I have a big brother, and I, I'm very confident, my brother that trains jujitsu and all that, like right now he trains jujitsu. I'm confident uh, if we if we got in a scuffle that he if he had my back he would I'd feel totally comfortable. Now imagine you're getting picked on by a bully, and all you gotta do when the bully's picking on you is is call your big brother or your dad, and then your and then the, your big brother or your dad comes and squashes the bully. That's the same thing with God. So if you're being attacked by the enemy, and you just say God. I need you. Guess what happens? He comes in full force and he protects you against the attacks of the enemy. And God will whisper to you truth. God will whisper to you things that are true about you. Like, like, like you're loved. Like you're not a loser. Like the enemy, the voice of the enemy is, man, I don't look good. I'm a loser. I'm ugly. I always fail, I'll never get it right. And so in that moment you say, I'm hearing the voice of the enemy. 
God, I'm hearing the voice of the enemy. I need you. And God says, you're adopted. You're in my family. You're loved. And the voice of the enemy, sometimes it's like listening in, in your headphones, and God's always talking to you, but the enemy's always talking as well. So I can either turn up God louder, or I can turn up the enemy louder. And depending on, on who I turn up is, is how I'm going to end up in that attack. But God is always talking to us. Now, briefly here, this is just the intro. I'm going to show you what I call the tree illustration. Okay, so these are the, these are the seven roots. So my, my friend painted this picture, and I've been using it for, for years. Okay, so, so here we have everything above ground here is the physical world. It is the visible, physical world that we can see it, we can touch it, and the fruit. Yes, right, that's right, Tyler. Okay, everything in here in the middle realm is, let's just say it's my, my, my brain, my because you have actual chemicals in your brain, and it's affected by the thing that happens in the physical world. And then down here, underground, is the spiritual world. Now, when we say spiritual world, the spirit realm, it means you just can't see it, but it's there. It's underground. It's hidden. It's in, it's in the dark. So when we have here, let's say that you wrestle with anger, okay, and it's coming out. So what does it look like when it, anybody want to want to be uh, brave here? What does it look like when you get angry and it turns into to rage? What does it look like when you get angry? Start to break things. Start to throw things. Start to screaming. Yep. Yeah. So the kids are the kids are vulnerable, right? Everybody in this room has done that. In fact, raise your hand if you've ever been so angry that you've actually screamed or you broke something. Okay. So see, see, look around the room here. Everybody raise their hands. Everybody raise their hands. So it's nothing new. Okay. So in the in the in the spiritual world down here. Here's, here's how this thing works. Everything we do here, everything we do that, that manifests itself into behavior, into actions, always comes from roots that come underground. And the roots that come from underground are things we believe in our heart. And once we believe something in our heart, then it shoots up through our brains and it shoots out of our hands and our feet. So everything we do goes back to down here. Now the Bible has this has a word for what's down here. It's called your heart. It's called your heart. And everybody points to their heart. Yeah, we, so we, this is our physical heart. But our real heart, we don't know where it's, it's somewhere it's somewhere in us. So I can't say like my heart is in here and I and I cut this off and then I lost my heart. I can't do that. But the Bible talks about the heart, the heart, the Greek word for heart is cardia. A cardia sounds like a cardiologist. You know what a cardiologist is? Cardiologist is a doctor of the heart because cardia means heart. So, okay, Kyle, you want to say something? Go ahead. When we were watching Grinch, me and Kyle, Kyle would make you small Yes, he said when he was watching the Grinch, like, the Grinch's heart was way too small. It's going to turn big. He's got a small heart. He had an evil heart, and then, and then it changed later on. So I'm glad Kyle said that, but look at this. Always remember this saying. 
Yes. The heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. So down here, this is the heart. This is your heart. The Bible calls it cardia. It's not the physical blood pumping organ that shoots blood all throughout the body. It's the deepest part of your soul. And the deepest part of your soul is down here where belief happens. And what you believe turns into behavior every single time. So when you look at someone's behavior, you look in the mirror and you see your own behavior, always know that it comes from your heart. Now the two passages I shared today about Ephesians 6, 12 and 2 Corinthians 10, 4 are about heart issues. So when we fight spiritual warfare, we're not fighting with the weapons, like physical weapons, we're fighting the battle is in our heart. That's the whole point of this whole series. Now, if you are taking notes, out, the, the roots I will go through, there is the root here of rebellion. Anybody have a rebellious heart? Well, when your heart is rebellious, you say, I don't want to follow the rules. I don't want to do that. And then it turns into behavior. Another, another root here would be the root of deception. So in the root of deception, if I choose to believe a lie, then it'll shoot up through this tree and start to turn into me doing things that I shouldn't be doing because uh, I'm believing a lie. So, so we have here rebellion, deception, and then we have, there's a, uh, a root here in the Bible that says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So when someone falls in love with money, then they'll steal from their friends. They'll do all sorts of things that are bad behaviors, but it comes down to the issue of they're in love with money. And so we, the Bible tells us, Jesus talks more about money than almost anything else because it's so common. Yes, question? Yes, she said... If you love something more than Jesus, does that affect your behavior? And the answer is? Yeah. Yes. yes. That is called idolatry. And what a segue, because these next four roots are called idolatry. It's if you love these other four last roots more than Jesus, then you will, it will affect your behavior. That's such a wonderful, and I love how the Holy Spirit works. So here's the, here's the roots that I'll talk about today. Uh, the root, here, now here's the four roots, okay? The root of comfort, the root of control, the root of power, and the root of approval. Now these are four things that are good, but if you love them more than Jesus, if you care about these things more than Jesus, it will mess you up. Promise. So the root of comfort means that I only do comfortable things. Now, now, confessing sin is not comfortable. God calls us to. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. And, and he goes on and talks about the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and, and, and can heal but it's not comfortable. So if my comfort is more important to me than Jesus, then I will not confess my sin. I will not do those things and it will manifest in the behavior. 
A person who, who worships comfort, and they're all about their comfort, they're going to they're gonna hide. They're going to hide. Okay, so this uh, second root here by idolatry uh, is control. Now, control is so, so deceptive. Because you can have the tendency to believe that you're in control of something when control is an illusion. What do you control in the world? Do we control circumstances or do we control people? We can't control any of those things. We can only control what? Ourselves. Our hearts. Yes, we can only control what's in our heart. Also our reaction to things. So another, another root here is, is, is uh, the root of power. Now root of power says, I need to be right. Have you ever argued with someone who says, no, I'm right. No, you're not right. I'm right. Um, in the workplace, it might be, you might want to have power, like, like reach a certain status in the company so you can have more power than someone else. Or just being right in general. Like if you, if you worship being right and you have to get your last word in, then you are worshiping the God of power. You're worshiping the God of power. And the last one here, is uh, we had comfort, control, power, and then approval. Now, approval is a sneaky, sneaky one. It is another idol. And approval says this. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do this action because I want to win those guys' approval, those, those people. It's called peer pressure. So some people, uh, you know, they, they start... They start vaping or whatever. They start smoking. They start doing something they've never done before because they want to win someone else's approval. And this could be something that's not even really necessarily sinful. But they start doing it to win other people's approval. Or if I do something because I want someone to pat me on the back. Like if I, well, I've had this illustration for a long time, but if I made my wife coffee, but I only did it so she can get, uh, so I can get a thank you then I will get super mad if she doesn't say thank you. But if I made the coffee and I said, you know what, God, I'm making this for you, actually, then when I give the coffee to someone and they say, I don't like this thing, then, then, it's no, then it doesn't matter to me because I didn't make it for them. I made it to please God. If, if I went to go, my, if, I said, if I said, hey, Mike, you want to meet for coffee? Okay, let's meet at 12. And I show up, and it's 12.01, 12.02, 12.03, 12.04, and 30 minutes have gone by, and Mike just totally gapped me off. Am I upset anymore? Am I upset if I didn't do it for approval? Because I, in my heart, I said, God, I'm going to meet with this guy at 12. And we're just going to talk and have coffee and have fun. Then if I show up and he doesn't, I'm no longer upset because I didn't show up for him. I didn't show up to say, can you, I showed up at 12, can you pat me on the back now, Mike? Can you, can you say thank you? I don't need a thank you, I don't need anything from you. I'm totally free from needing anything from you because I don't worship this God of approval. I don't need your approval for anything. So those, those are the roots. Now, I just barely scratched the surface of this thing, but this is, I, I just wanted it to be a brief introduction to how spiritual warfare works. So once again, the, the recap. The root of rebellion means a rebellious heart. And we, we, get a, the root, we get rid of the root of rebellion by saying, Lord, I confess in my heart I want to be a rebel. 
and I don't want to follow the rules. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. I now repent of my rebellion. Now, I just got that from 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It never says in the Bible, try to find it, that we ask God for forgiveness. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So with all these roots, whenever they happen, I just confess it, and then it's done. I tell God, I've heard the voice of the enemy. Here's what I did, Lord. Boom, and he handles it. It's done. So that's rebellion, the, the root of deception. Lord, I believe the lie. I totally believe the lie. Thank you for your forgiveness. I now repent of my believing this lie that I'm better than somebody based off of the color of my skin or whatever. There's all kinds of lies out there. But you know how people get over racism? They just admit that they're believing a lie and they accept the truth that we all came from the same parents and then it's done. Starts with confession though. And then the love of money. If you love money, yes. God made people and he loves them, yes. That's so true. There's so much truth there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so if you love money, like I used to like let people borrow, like it'd be like a couple bucks. And it would it would really mess with me if, if I would hang on to that. And then God taught me as time went on, like, don't love money. It's mine anyways. All my money belongs to God anyways. And I've been more way more generous with my money because I realized it's not mine. So I've been getting set free from this stuff for years. And then, and then these idols of control down here, control, comfort, power, and approval. It's just like this. God, I confess I am trying to control this person or this situation. And I'm not in control. You're in control. Thank you for your forgiveness. I now repent of my trying to control things. I now repent of thinking... Uh, that I need this position, power. I now repent of doing only what's comfortable. Lord, so I'm going to step into the uncomfort. And that's all I wanted to share today with, with this intro to spiritual warfare. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into, let's, let's, as we come up and sing here again, let's think about spiritual warfare as this, okay? We are not supposed to fight in this fight alone. We're supposed to fight together. There's a saying, lone rangers are dead rangers. We're never supposed to fight alone. We're supposed to fight shoulder to shoulder uh, next to each other. Like Pierce is a friend of mine. If I'm struggling with something, I am supposed to call him. And if Pierce is struggling with something and he goes, man, I've been struggling with this for, for like 15 weeks. And I'm like, dude, we've been jamming up here for 15 weeks. No shame. Thank you for telling me now. Now we can continue to battle together. So, so throughout this series, let's remember, we're, we're going to do this fight together. Realizing and reminding each other this whole time that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We're always going to remember each other and take each other's thoughts captive and say, where's the real issue? The heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. So with that, I'm going to call the band up here. And we will say,